This is the Christian Circle Podcast and you're listening to Pamela Fernandez where we have conversations about Christian living. Here's the show. Welcome to a new episode of our podcast. This month we're focusing on the discipleship of Mary and we have the Department Chair of Theology from Christendom College, Matthew Sakonikis, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He's going to be talking to us about Mary and her discipleship and how we can be good disciples uh, of Jesus just like her. Before we listen to him, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Attention church leaders, are you looking to grow your church membership and congregation? Look no further than noahsevenue.com slash church. Noah's Event Venue rents its location out to church groups just like yours for Sunday worship services, Bible study, prayer groups, Sunday school, and more. So come ye two by two to Noah's. For more information, just give us a call at 843-455-6845 or visit us online at noahseventvenue.com slash church. Don't forget to ask us about getting one month free. That's Noah's eventvenue.com slash church. We'd love to have your congregation meet at Noah's. Okay, my, my name is Matthew Sakonikis, and I'm the chair of the Department of Theology at Christendom College. So my ministry is as a, a faculty member at Christendom College, which is in Front Royal, Virginia. It's in the Shenandoah Valley, uh, the Shenandoah that John Denver sings the famous song, yeah. song about, so uh, it's actually in Virginia, not West Virginia, okay. but uh, we'll give them a little credit there. And so Christum College really would be part of what my mission, and, and the mission of Christum College is to restore all things in Christ. So as a private liberal arts Catholic college, it, uh, it's really dedicated to the uh, formation of the intellectual virtues, the moral virtues, the social virtues, to enable uh, our students through a liberal arts education be a part of that restoring all things in Christ. So um, certainly heavy, heavy in our core program in philosophy and theology. Now you mentioned, and this is how we uh, we found you. There was this post that you had written on Catholic Exchange about the discipleship in Mary. And, oh wow! Yeah, and the first, that's an old one. Yeah, it's it's from two thousand and four. Can you believe that? That's so old. Yes. And uh, the first thing that you say is that uh, Mary is the new Eve. And yes. uh, can you tell us why, why you say that? There's a, there's a beautiful passage in St. Paul. Obviously, all of St. Paul's passages are very beautiful. Yeah. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and it's about verse 45, he speaks about how we, from the first Adam, and uh, God breathed into him, but uh, he speaks about, though, how Jesus is the last Adam. And so when we have this conversation comparing the opening of Genesis with Adam to what Jesus' role is, we see that we see that Jesus um, fulfills what Adam was really meant to be and shows us the true meaning of Adam. Mm-hmm. And so in 1 Corinthians 15.45, St. Paul calls Jesus the last Adam. Mm-hmm. Well, that also points to if we have a last Adam, certainly people would ask, well, do we have a last Eve or a new Eve? Yeah. And so... We look back, okay, what, from whom was the first Adam taken? And we know that when God created the world, he blessed everything and called it good. And so we know the ground from which the first Adam was taken was blessed earth. And so if, if Jesus is the last Adam, what was the ground or what was the earth from which he was taken? And so we believe that Jesus was also taken from a new blessed earth, that 
God preserved in the race of Adam a, a woman who was foreordained to be the one through whom God would enter this world, once God would be flesh. So this is the new, the new and blessed earth. And so this would begin to explain why the angel Gabriel, when he first uh, comes to visit the Virgin Mary to ask her to be the mother of God, that he calls her full of grace. Mm. So in other words, he's calling her full of grace because she's already the blessed earth from which the last Adam, the, the very last Adam that St. Paul calls him the last Adam. Mm. So we see in her the blessed earth, the one who is full of grace, the one who God prepared to be the one uh, through whom God would pull out of her the true and last Adam, the Savior of the world. And, and the Savior of the world, Jesus, not only is he the Son of God, not only is he the new Adam, or as St. Paul calls him in 1 Corinthians 15 45, the last Adam, he's truly the Son of David. And as the Son of David, so Son of God, true Adam, Son of David, as Son of David, he's the true King of the world. And so in the lines of the Son of David, so whenever we see, beginning with Solomon, all the way through all the kings, David, the kings of the sons of David, whenever we see them listed, they are always listed with their mother because mm. from the time of Solomon, the office of queen mother began. Mm. And so since Jesus is the son of David, and in that line you always have the office of queen mother, we know Mary is the queen mother. Well, the first Adam and the first Eve are king and queen. Mm. And now we see with Jesus, the last Adam, that certainly since Mary is the mother of this son of David, that she is new Eve and therefore also queen, since it's the queen mothers who are the queens of the nation. And, and the new nation is that kingdom of God that Jesus brought to us. So she has a special motherly role uh, to all of us. Mm. And I think I'd, I'd probably end by saying, it's also pretty clear she's the new Eve because of Revelations chapter 12. Mm -hmm. And in Revelations chapter 12, we have the figures of a woman giving birth, of a serpent trying to devour the child, and of the angels that, the fallen angels that belong to the serpent. And those are the exact same figures that we read in Genesis 3. There's a woman, mm -hmm. uh, and so after the sin, we see God tells the woman, well, first he, he curses the serpent and says, on your belly shall you crawl. Mm -hmm. And then he speaks to the first Eve and says, um, and says that there will be enmity between you and the serpent. So now we get the figure of a woman and the serpent. And, and he says, between your seed and his seed. And now we see that there are the descendants of the woman and the child to come from the woman who's destined to crush the serpent's head. Mm -hmm. So the combination of all these figures by which we see the scriptures themselves teach us that while the Virgin Mary is, is a creature and she's not divine by herself, because she's in Jesus Christ, because Jesus has given her the Holy Spirit in a unique way based on his coming and based on, on him as the Redeemer, that she's partaken in a special way, a special grace we know as the Immaculate Conception, mm -hmm. in which Jesus chose to associate her with his redemption. And so she, she from heaven continues the role given on earth, and that is to be mother to the kingdom of the son of David by her prayers, by her intercession. So only Jesus is God. Mm. But the Virgin Mary, by grace, has been elevated into a special union with Christ, similar to how all of us through the Holy Spirit are elevated into the mystical body of Christ. Mm -hmm. So we, we truly believe she has a special role from heaven to be mother to us all. Mother, 
my office, an office given to her by Christ. Mm-hmm. So she calls it a new Eve. And uh, from all the, the things you've said, it just goes to show that God has spent a lot of time planning generation after generation, preparing uh, for the birth of Christ. And, and in the same way, I think preparing all of us uh, with the generations that come before and after, He spends a lot of time on each of us, doesn't He? Yes, He does. Certainly, uh, there's a plan in each one of our lives. Certainly, it's hard for us to see in this valley of tears and so much yeah. suffering that we all experience. It's very hard to see that plan. Yeah. And uh, But we know that God makes all things right, that God brings all things to fulfillment and to justice. Ultimately, it's not in this world, but in the world to come. So, uh, But that plan is very hard to see, I think, from our very limited perspectives. Mm. And um, there was this um, teaching that we had in our, our lecture that uh, who is the one person who had all the gifts and all the fruits of the Holy Spirit? And the answer we were always told was it was Mary. Now, why is Mary so perfect? Why does she have everything? I mean, what is so uh, special about her that she does embody all these gifts and fruits of the Holy Spirit? I would say especially this, this great mystery of the Immaculate Conception, which means um, when she was conceived by her parents, Saints Joachim and Saint Saint Anna, mm-hmm. that the Lord had had predestined her to be the mother of His Son, mm-hmm. and in this special grace, she was preserved from the inheritance of original sin. Mm-hmm. So somehow there is a mystery of the Holy Spirit already in her human soul, uniting her, uniting her to the Redeemer to come, the Redeemer whom she would bear. And in this special gift, she's, she's full of the Holy Spirit in a manner that's always directing her soul to the surrender of God. And I think we kind of see this being spoken about in the sacred scriptures. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people say, well, you know, the Virgin Mary is special because she gave birth to the Son of God. And of course she's absolutely special because of that. I mean, that's an obvious, that should be very mm-hmm. obvious in common sense. Yeah. She's, no other woman can say, I gave birth in the flesh the Logos. John yeah. opens his gospel and he says, mm-hmm. in the beginning was the Logos, and the yes. Logos was with God, mm-hmm. and the Logos was God. And then in verse 14 he says, and the Logos became flesh. Mm-hmm. So, so the one to whom she gave flesh was clearly the second person of the Trinity, the, the, the Son of God, the Word of God. And so a lot of times we only focus on a physical birth, but mm-hmm. we have to see her truly through this mystery of the Holy Spirit in her soul as the one who's always holding her will and sacrifice to God, the one who totally means when praying to our Father, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be And it's in that thy will be done, she lives her whole life. So you see someone stuck only on the physical aspect of her birth. And so we'll hear in Luke uh, chapter 11, verse 27, you'll hear a woman cry out to Jesus, Oh, blessed is the womb that bore you mm. and the paths at which you nursed. Mm. So she's very caught up in just a physical descent of what it means to be somehow have a have a vote important. But Jesus corrects her and says it's about spiritual descent that's more important. Mm. And Jesus says, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Mm. But since this is in the Gospel of Luke, we have to realize that Luke is actually pointing to the Virgin Mary because mm. In chapter 1 of Luke, it opens up with Elizabeth, the cousin of Mary, that says she was filled with the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit speaking through her. And so she says of the Virgin Mary, she says, she says, Blessed is she who believed 
there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her. In other words, she heard the word of God. She's saying, Mary, you've heard the word of God and you kept it, which goes right back to the words of Jesus. Blessed rather those who hear the word of God and mm-hmm. keep it. So, of course, she's the one in the midst of all the sufferings that occurred to her. You know, mm-hmm. she didn't have an easy life just because of the grace. She had a harder life. Mm-hmm. She understood sin as a pure person, not as someone stuck in sin. Mm-hmm. And so through this grace of the Holy Spirit, she would experience the pain more keenly of when she's rejected by Joseph. Mm-hmm. When she knows the children are dying, um, when, the, when the wise men came to visit and Herod, yeah. he had everyone under the age of two killed. Yeah. This would have broken her heart to know all these babies are dying because of this son to whom she gave birth, the son she was warned by the prophet and prophets how a sword will pierce her heart. Mm. And so seeing this, seeing her son, the Holy One, die on the cross, what is she always doing? She's always joining her will to the will of her son. Mm. And this is, what, this is why the grace of the Immaculate Conception was given to her, so she could be that faithful disciple and share in Jesus Christ in the redemption and so have this desire for us to be, to be in Jesus, her son. She's the mother of the head of the mystical body, Jesus, mm. by the role Jesus gave her. And she's also destined by this, and by her will always being united with the will of Jesus through the Immaculate Conception, she's destined to be the one who wants to see us become members, to see, you know, she's the mother of Jesus, and she's the mother of Jesus in us by the office she's been given. And so there's a, there's a special uniqueness of the Holy Spirit at work in her soul um, to bring about this work that Jesus' redemption brings about, which is the completion of the mystical body of Christ. So she's the one who always is telling us, do whatever Jesus tells you. Mm. She's the one always calling us in her apparition, be faithful to Jesus mm. and imitate his life. Be joined with me so I can help join you more to Jesus. This is, this is a special grace. This is her special role. Mm. And she's had a very hard life and one would think that because you've been divinely called that your life would be miraculously easier. But then she's had to go through migration, poverty, rejection, the death and loss of probably her husband and her son. So her life isn't easy, yet we don't seem to understand this uh, from Mary's life, do we? No, we don't. But you know, you take a look, like you just said, uh, when someone's called, you know, Jesus says, take up your cross mm-hmm. and follow me. Mm-hmm. So a life without the cross is not going to be a life of following Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we see in the prefigurements of Jesus, the, the burdens, for instance, that Moses carried. When Moses was called, mm-hmm. it wasn't a life of grandeur. The people didn't enthrone Moses. Yeah. <laughs> the people actually constantly rebelled against Moses, grieved Moses, mm-hmm. caused all sorts of extra fastings on behalf of mm-hmm. Moses. So I think the hidden life of the Virgin Mary is going to be one of all the hidden fasts that we that we don't even know, all the hidden prayers, all the sorrows. We have the seven sorrows yeah. of Mary, yeah. in which, you know, St. Paul speaks about this mystery too. St. Paul says that I complete in my body the sufferings lacking in the body of Christ. And, and, and what he's referring to is certainly nothing's lacking in the redemption of Jesus. Mm. But when the Holy Spirit is given, we're called to enter the life of Jesus. We're, we're called to follow him. And that means to enter into this path that is the narrow path. Mm. And so in that narrow path, there's always this ongoing surrender of our lives with all sorts of trials that before, before we entered into following Christ, we wouldn't, we wouldn't take the hard path. We, we were taking the easy and selfish path. Yeah. 
And so now we have to now we have to take that harder path. And so I think the challenge is the Virgin Mary being pure, she's receiving more more challenges. She's following her son in the way of the cross. Mm-hmm. And this means a deepening surrender of her will to the will of God and, and this growing in, in, in the grace that's already been given to her. So I can't believe that her life was was easier than ours, but in fact much harder. Mm-hmm. But but even though harder, one much full of joy because of mm-hmm. the faith in Jesus Christ. There was an inseparable joy of mm-hmm. uh, following Him. Yeah. And one of the things that we were, I think it was last Sunday, we were told, um, one of the things you identify as a Christian, or you you can identify a person as a Christian if he has joy. And uh, you know, honestly, we're not really joyful all the time as people. Doesn't it also show that to a certain extent, the more we draw closer to Christ, the more harder our life is going to be? Yeah, I think harder, uh, only in the sense of we, you know, I can't speak for how the Virgin Mary experienced it, because she was one, through this grace of the Holy Spirit, preserved from sin. Mm-hmm. Now, I can speak of it as one who's in sin, from mm-hmm. um, one who has experienced sin, mm-hmm. one who, so I can only speak of it in the terms of it's harder because I must face my own sinfulness. I experience, mm-hmm. when I contemplate Christ, he, he enables me to see, insofar as I can take it, how attached I am to this world mm-hmm. and to a self-centeredness. Mm-hmm. And so it's harder from the perspective of it's always easier to give in to my selfishness. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but, but when I'm in the suffering, it's faith in Jesus Christ that the Holy Spirit enables in me to remember that this suffering is a good. This suffering is self-knowledge, mm-hmm. by which I can see um, that I need to cling more fully to Christ instead of my own worries and my own selfishness. And and through the suffering, I'm moving from the old man into the new man. And so instead of running from the suffering, I have to embrace it and find a joy of Christ is transforming me here. Mm-hmm. Not to give into selfishness, but instead to strive to belong more fully to Christ, who is my infinite good, who is my life. Mm-hmm. who makes me a better human, who actually, for St. Paul says in Galatians 5.1, for freedom, mm-hmm. Christ has set us free. So I'm actually, if I, will, if I will instead choose the true and the good and the beautiful, instead of giving into selfishness, if I will live for what is true and what is good, mm-hmm. if I will strive, as St. Peter says to us, he says mm-hmm. in 2 Peter 1.5, make every effort to supplement faith, to supplement your faith with virtue, mm-hmm. that means... Be willing to go through the suffering to become more than you are because Christ is Christ is the new man. He is the last Adam, and he's trying to incorporate you through the Holy Spirit mm. in your free choices. That's, that's where it's in our free choices where the transformation takes place, the choice to persevere and remain faithful to Jesus in temptation, in response to our emotions, mm. to take them up into faith and to, and to make the, the, the free choice to respond to our emotions in a manner in which we choose to direct our lives according to faith instead of according to the flesh. Mm-hmm. And in that movement, I can rejoice that I am, I am making up in the, what's lacking in the body of Christ, meaning I'm working to bring the completion, my integration, into the mystical body because God is at work in me mm-hmm. to will to work. Yeah. So how does Mary show us to be a true disciple? I mean, she's one of the people who stayed right till the very end. I mean, one of the only people probably who stayed. So how does she show us what a true disciple is? I think 
because the Virgin Mary is the one who believed in Jesus first. She was his mother. She knew who was conceived in her womb, and she believed in him. She, she was given by the Holy Spirit to understand the, the, the law and the prophets and the wisdom writings. Mm-hmm. Now, Christ certainly would have developed this more in, in, his, in his, his private life in which he lived with Joseph, Joseph mm-hmm. and Mary. Mm-hmm. So she's already believing in him. And so I think when we follow her life of what it means to cling to Jesus Christ, to sometimes, even though there's, there's a bit of a darkness in terms of, of we don't see things clearly, mm-hmm. to continue to walk forward in that light, which sometimes is too bright and seems a darkness to us. Yeah, yeah. And she's, she's that model of walking in that. And so this is why when she comes to us, for instance, at Fatima, and she says, I want you to pray the rosary. Mm-hmm. And she, she appeared as Our Lady of the Rosary. What she's offering to us is to meditate on how she responded to the Word of God. So in the Joyful Mysteries, we mm-hmm. see how she responds to the Word of God even when the, the light is too bright. There's, there's a darkness we walk in according to faith. We can't see everything. We, we don't understand everything from this side, but we know we, we must cling faithfully to trust in the promises of God. This is, these are the promises that lead us on. So in the Joyful Mysteries, she's showing us this. And then in the Sorrowful Mysteries, she's actually providing us saying, you know, why is it we pray one Our Father and ten Hail Marys mm-hmm. when we meditate upon a mystery? And the point is, we're saying to God and the Our Father, I'm going to meditate on the mystery of your Son, our Redeemer and Savior, the Son of God. And so we pray the Our Father, but then we spend... Ten Hail Marys, in other words, we're with the Virgin Mary during that time, contemplating the mystery of Jesus. And so she gives us the rosary and the mysteries because it's not just saying one our Father and ten Hail Marys. God's not bought off or paid off by how many our fathers or Hail Marys you pray. It's the being joined during those ten Hail Marys to contemplate how Christ surrenders himself in his humanity to the will of the Father. So in his agony in the garden, it would have been so easy to say, you know what, this is just too much. Mm-hmm. But instead, he says, not my will and my flesh and, and my humanity, mm-hmm. but thy will be done. So Christ is always bringing the human will deeper into his, into his own divine will by these acquired experiences. And he's joining humanity back to God in himself because he is God. And so when we meditate on these mysteries of the rosary, it teaches us, you know, you're going to be faced with wanting to turn away from suffering because of fear. And like Jesus, you should pray, take this cup from me, but you need to still end it with the other half of Jesus' prayer. But not my will, but yours be done. In other words, now I become in Jesus Christ an offering to God by being willing to pass through the suffering that I am actually meaning thy will be done. And so I become a living sacrifice because of the mystery of Christ in me. And so I continue the work of Jesus in the world. And, and Jesus lets me be a, a point of grace, not just because he's sanctifying me and bringing me deeper into his mystical body, but the holiness that I receive from him is a holiness that can reach others. And, and he wants us to be that extension of his mystical body into the world, to continue his life in the world, and to to be his hands, to continue his work of the redemption in his mystical body. 
You mentioned the apparitions and I know we have a very different, uh, a very varied audience. Tell us a little bit about the apparitions and why Mary's at the heart of all these things. Why is she telling us to pray this uh, rosary? Why is she ask, appearing again and again and uh, pleading for prayers and telling us to go back to Jesus? What is, why is there so much urgency to all of this? Well, it's because when we accept Jesus, that's just the beginning. That's the beginning of receiving a new life, and that new life is given to us to assist our freedom to make the new life more fully our own. In other words, God begins to dwell in us, but God wants us to exercise our freedom to bring that gift of the Holy Spirit even deeper into our souls and the power of our souls. This, again, is why Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5, after it says that we were made to be partakers in the divine nature, that's verse 4, he says, so make every effort to supplement faith with virtue. Because in other words, if we're not struggling to grow in Christ, mm. Ephesians 4 says, you must grow into Christ in every way so you're no longer tossed around by every wind of doctrine. So in other words, the life is given, mm. but the life is called to grow in us. And so she's saying, exercise that life you've received. Mm. Enter into the very work of Jesus. Jesus said... In John chapter 14, the works I do, greater ones than these, mm. this is verse 12, greater mm. ones than these will be done by those who believe in me. Yeah. In other words, he's speaking about not just raising people from the dead, not just uh, speaking in tongues. He is talking about our work of charity, that, that charity has been given into, into our souls, mm. the, the life of the Holy Spirit, to impel us to do the works of God. That means... We're to become sons in the Son. Mm -hmm. We are, Jesus says, no one knows the Father but the Son and anyone to whom the Son reveals him. That means we're to enter the Son so we can know the Father. And the only way to enter the Son is to make his work as priest, prophet, and king mm -hmm. our own work. And so by entering that work, our freedom enters into continuously seeking more and more the will of God in our lives and and being transfigured and transformed. St. Paul calls this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he calls this being swallowed in divinity, mm. where, this, where this transcendent power is now in, in earthen vessels. And so she's saying to us, you've got to meditate. You know, this life of living as a Christian mm. is 10% physical and 90% mental. Mm. This is what St. Paul yeah. was saying when yeah. he said, we're not warring against those bodily things, but yeah. we're warring against spirits. Yeah. In Ephesians, when he speaks of the, the spiritual warfare, yeah. which means if you're not living a life of prayer, if you're not spending more time in prayer feeding your soul mm. than the amount of time you spend feeding your body with food, if you're not spending that much time in prayer, mm. how are you being prepared to meet the challenges in your life that challenge your faith. And mm -hmm. so she gives us the rosary and says, meditate on the rosary and meditate on the agony of Jesus in the garden. Mm -hmm. Meditate upon his scourging at the pillar. Meditate upon Jesus crowning with thorns. Mm -hmm. Meditate upon Jesus falling under the weight of the cross and carrying the cross and how God sends those to assist you. Meditate that you're going to feel abandoned even by your closest friends when you're, when you're ultimately suffering and dying naked on a cross. Yeah. Don't think God has abandoned you. Be mentally prepared for following Jesus so that you're not scandalized by the cross 
when God lets you carry the cross and be crucified. It's only by this prayer life, including this meditation on the life of Christ, which is what the rosary is all about, Mm. that she's forming us to be sons in the only begotten Son of God. And sons, in and when we see this phrase, it's a Western Latin phrase. It's filii. Mm -hmm. And filii is an inclusive word that means um, males and females. So when we say sons in the sun, that's a reference to whether you're a man or a woman, you're entering into the only begotten Son of God's relationship with the Father. You're entering His relationship because, like in, in Philippians chapter 2, you have taken on the mind of Christ. And she's mentioned, or she's actually called this uh, a spiritual weapon, hasn't she? Uh, she's called yes. the rosary a spiritual weapon. Yes, so I should say, actually, when we say an apparition, what do we mean? We mean that Jesus Christ, very concerned for the church on earth, Mm -hmm. and you see this in Revelations chapter 12, you see very much there's a woman, um, and she is gathered, and it says says who these women are. So if you look at Revelations chapter 12, verse 17, it says the woman is gathered uh, with her children. Mm -hmm. And and who are the children of the woman? woman? It says, those who keep the commandments of God and bear witness to Jesus. Mm-hmm. In other words, these are the disciples, I should say. Mm-hmm. So the, so you'll notice Jesus says from the cross, he doesn't say, hey, John, this is your mother. He says to the beloved disciple, yeah. behold your mother. Mm-hmm. Well, Revelations 12, 17 is explaining to us that the Virgin Mary is specially given to us to continue to gather mm-hmm. the beloved disciples of Jesus to fight the war against the dragon. And that's representative of against the the devil against the demonic forces that Mm -hmm. try to drown out the word of God from this world. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus sends her sometimes to be regathered, just like he just like he gave her to be gathered at Pentecost with the apostles and disciples. He gathers through appearances from heaven. The Virgin Mary comes into the midst of the church suffering on earth and brings her presence to gather with us and call down by joining her prayers with ours to her son Mm. to send the Holy Spirit to renew us. Mm. And so it's a gift of Jesus when he allows her to visit us from heaven in such a powerful way to gather us to pray again, to receive the Holy Spirit and be renewed because of our sinfulness, because our leadership is not doing its job. Mm. And so um, it's a double-edged sword. The fact that she has to come is saying, you know, there's something wrong in yeah. which the church on earth is not doing its role. Mm. And so we really better respond to heaven because yeah. as Jesus warned the, the towns in which he did his miracles, if you're not going to repent, it's going to be worse for you than it was for Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. It's going to be worse for you um, because, look, when we went to other towns like the Ninevites and the rest, when they heard the word of God, when, when, when miracles were given, they repented. Yeah, yeah. So... You know, when we receive from heaven uh, these special gifts and we don't respond with repentance, that's not a good thing. So if there's one thing that people can do today, start doing today to imitate Mary, anything, what is the one thing that, or maybe a couple of things that people can do to really be like her? I would say this is the standpoint of to really accept Jesus Christ as the Son of God, Mm -hmm. that God so loved the world, he sent his only Son, that all believe in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. In other words, we must believe 
in the Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, mm. and that Jesus is the, the Word made flesh. He is the second person of the Trinity. He is God showing us He loves us so much. He loves us so much He became sin for us. Yeah. And that means He became like us in all ways. That's what it means He became sin for us. He became, he became like humans in all ways, except His will was always... His human will was always giving itself to the divine will. Mm -hmm. And so he had no sin, actual sins in him. So in other words, he became a baby in the womb, saving all babies who develop in the womb. Mm -hmm. He became a, a toddler saving toddlers. He became a youth saving youth. He became an adult saving an adult. But he also passed into death yeah. to experience death with all of us. And so we have to believe in that God so loved us, he entered into every experience so that through his resurrection, he could take all of that into himself and be the source of life for us. In other words, we must believe with her, Jesus loved me and died for me. Otherwise, how are we going to find the strength to overcome our sin? And so the Virgin Mary is, is calling us and she's the one who shows us, live your whole life for God. She would have loved to have had other children, but she gave up. When she was called by the Holy Spirit, she gave up many things that are good. Mm -hmm. She gave up a, a normal marriage mm -hmm. and lived her whole life a chaste marriage. She was ever virgin. Mm -hmm. She didn't engage in relationships with Joseph because Joseph could see, hey, this woman is specially consecrated to the Holy Spirit. She carried the word of God in her womb. Mm -hmm. if, if the Ark of the Covenant... Yeah. carried the word of God in stone, yeah. how much holier than the Ark of the Covenant is the Virgin Mary yeah. who carried the word of God in the flesh? Yeah. So in her role, she gave up, when she was called, she gave up everything to follow Jesus. And we need to recognize Jesus didn't promise an easy life. Yeah. And the Virgin Mary did not, like we started in the beginning of this interview, she did not have an easy life. There were endless challenges in which he was always called to, like Jesus, say, not my will, but yours be done. Mm. And so when we meditate on her life, you know, Jesus is the primary person we imitate. Yeah. But secondarily, Mary shows us how to be a disciple of Jesus. She is the real model of what it means to follow him. Mm. And so when we're looking for what does it mean to follow Jesus, she is the one we need to look to. Mm. And that's why... She, she inspires us, and we look to her, and we trust in her prayers, and all of our brothers and sisters who've gone before us and, mm. and are in heaven who lived a, lot, lived a life of sacrifice, seeking God's will more than their own. What are some books that people could read about Mary? Because uh, there are a lot of misconceptions about what we do, how we pray, and all those things. But if people really, I mean, people want to really read and enlighten themselves about her, what should they read? Oh, there's, a, there's a wonderful uh, Catholic theologian who writes in some of these areas. His name is Scott Hahn. Yeah. <laughs> and he wrote a book called yeah. Hail Holy Queen. Okay, yeah. And he writes very beautifully in Hail Holy Queen all about this. And, and he has a tape series, too. He has some tape series, I think, uh, from way back on the Virgin Mary. Mm -hmm. So I would certainly suggest Hail Holy Queen. Mm -hmm. as a good entrance for people who are unfamiliar with uh, devotions that Catholics have to the Virgin Mary, because there's lots of misconceptions yeah. out there for sure. Yeah. But I'd say that that would be a really good place for people to start. So Scott Hahn, mm -hmm. uh, Hail Holy Queen. Mm -hmm. And I'd also say to parents with um, youth, I'd say send them to Christian College. <laughs> and, uh, 
we'll give them a good liberal arts education. So, um, so certainly we'll, we'll be teaching on, on and teaching on the great mystery of Jesus, the Virgin Mary's inside this mystery. And so, yes, I'd, I'd want to make a plug and say send people to Christendom College. And I, I think there's an advantage to going to a, a, a faith-based college, right? Because you get uh, grounded in your roots and your foundation in spirituality and not just the physical and the educational aspects. Fully agreed. We, so there's a very important part. So if you don't live your relationship with, with Jesus alone, mm-hmm. you live it in fellowship yeah. with fellow Christians. And that's what Acts 2.42 says, that they gathered for the teaching of the apostles the prayers, the breaking of the bread, uh, actually they said they met for the fellowship, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. we worship together, we learn together, mm-hmm. and it's a fellowship that, that enables us, while we're weak, to grow strong so we can stand more firm on our own. So fellowship is incredibly important for Christians. Mm-hmm. And I think most of, the, most of our own uh, kids, I think we lose them around the time that they turn teenagers and they go to college and then we lose Catholics. I think that's the majority of the stories that I've heard from people. That they went to college and then they fell away from their faith. And then somehow, well, God hounds them back. But uh, college-based education, I think, um, especially Catholics, I think that would be a great idea, right? Yeah, there's a, great, there's a very important formation period between the ages of 17 and 22. Mm. Because it's one thing to be living in the home with your family. Mm. And to some degree... Their faith has been being shared, the parents' faith is being shared with the child in a way that it's still somewhat external to the child. Mm. And so as this teenager um, grows up, it's their task to be asking the right questions and getting adult answers, not little kid answers, (laughs) but truly mature answers so they can make what's external to them become more internal, something they embrace because it has passed through their reasoning. Mm. And so... While faith is something higher than reason, at the same time, God made reason something by which we can see the truth that's inside faith. Mm. And so people need good reasons for why they believe and why Christianity is not just something made up or it's mm. not just myth or it's not, but it's in fact based in history, real events, a real person, real miracles, a real empty tomb, really risen from the dead. And so that, that there's still an importance of we're social. We're not just intellects. We're 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 like the animals by the fact that we share an emotional life, and mm. and and we're above the animals because we have spirit. We have intelligence within us, mm. but we don't ignore our bodily condition. It it also has emotional needs, and and you know people people are going to be formed and and finally mature themselves in an association and in a fellowship with others. So either it's a supportive fellowship. Or it's one that tears them down before they can finish receiving the truth. Mm. That's why fellowship's important. Mm. And um, what, where can people find you? I mean, where can they uh, get in touch with you or write to you? And um, uh, what is something other than the college? If you have something to share with people, then you can go ahead and tell them. Um, there's an article that I had recently put out. Yeah, on orthodoxy, right? Report. Yeah. And uh, so I direct them to Christendom College, and that is. Uh, Christ is how it's spelled, Christ, and then the rest of the spelling would be E-N-D-O-M, Christendom, dot E-D-U. Mm-hmm. And you can find uh, certainly a lot of our professors there. 
you can find uh, more about the college there. But you could find, uh, through looking up the faculty, people could find me, Matthew Sakonikis. Last name starts with a T. It's a Greek last name. <laughs> and, um, and so I would have my email posted there at christendom.edu. Okay. And, you know, so if someone wanted to write or they had an interest in the college, uh, that would be the best place best place to write us or even find other people to contact as well. All right. So thank you so much for coming to our show. And um, we hope maybe in the future we can invite you again. That would be wonderful. Thank you so much for giving me time to share the faith uh, with you and with your audience.